Hello everyone, welcome to Quantum Catechesis. It's not on. It is on. Hello everyone, welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp and I'm 12 years old. Look at my beard. Today is going to be interesting uh, because I'm completely out of control and I had three donuts and two hot dogs. Three hot dogs. No, three donuts. Three donuts, two hot dogs. They were little donuts. They were little, but still. Basically, with standard-sized donuts, I probably had a donut and a half, which now that doesn't sound bad at all. But these things are like pure, I felt arteries harden, right? It's that, what do you call those? You got the box, Chuck. What are they, like Zingerbins or Schwarzschmiersters? Intimates. What is it? Intimates. I can't say the word he's saying, but that's what those are. And they were delicious. Uh, so I'm very happy to be here with you today. And I'm really excited, too, about next week. So if you don't mind, I'm going to talk about next week a little bit. First, on Tuesday, right, Tuesday, the world's going to end. So what I'm going to tell you about Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it really doesn't matter because we'll all be judged by then. So a lot of you in hell, I'll be in heaven. Carrie's not even paying attention. So nothing, nothing. It's okay. No, all kidding aside, on Wednesday, the show's going to be a little different. I'm going to be giving a teacher's retreat at Father Gabriel Richard High School in the city next to Ypsilanti. And I will, uh, for our show at noon, you're going to hear the second talk I give them. So uh, we're excited about that. We hope you tune in. It'll be a different intro, obviously, because I'm just going to be doing a talk. Maybe we can have words on the screen to tell people what's going on or something. But anyway, so that's Wednesday. Thursday's guest is a surprise, and it's a secret, because we don't have one. No? We kind of do. But uh, then Friday, this is crazy. On Friday of next week... I'm going to drive to Grand Rapids and get new hearing aids. Uh, and uh, But that's not really the big deal. It's a big deal for me personally. But here's the big deal for us. Then we're going to go to the uh, exhibition at the Ford Library Museum in Grand Rapids and do the show there because they're going to be doing a exhibit of Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel, as opposed to, so this is Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. Bob Jenkins also did a Sistine Chapel, but it primarily was in Stickmen and with crayons, and nobody really has any desire to see that one. I don't know why we say Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel, right? As if there's another one, right? There's Billy's Sistine Chapel, but nobody cares. So uh, that's next week. It's going to be crazy and cool. Wednesday, you'll get to hear me giving a talk to some teachers at Gabriel Richard High School in the city near Ipsy. And then on Friday, we're going to all be in Grand Rapids together. Now, you might think, well, I want to come to Grand Rapids and see this exhibit for myself. Well, you are truly wise. Uh, now, here's the thing. We don't charge for you to come watch the show uh, because Carrie would just waste it on booze. But the people running the uh, Gerald Gerald Ford, does anyone get that joke? Okay, I'm going to say this. I need you all to listen. And if you get the joke, you have to tell me, Gerald Ford. I'm going to see. You got to let me know, Carrie, if anybody knows what I'm doing. All right, I'll let you know. Because you get it or you don't. If you know the story, that's the greatest thing ever. Gerald Ford was, you know. Remember? Oh, okay. It's a skit. And it was the best skit. Truly, like SNL hasn't been funny in years. This was hysterical. So anyway, uh, come on out to the Ford Library Museum in Grand Rapids on Friday. Know I'll be doing my show live from there. There is cost to get in, but again, that's not our cost. That's the museum's cost. I think it's like 15 bucks a person. 15 for adults. 15 for, so how much for children? Nine. Nine, so I can get in for nine. And 13 for seniors. And 13 if you're a senior in high school. That seems very specific, Carrie. <laughs> Does anyone get in free? Well, I bet dead people do. It's I a museum. Hope, I'm kind of hoping I get in free. Oh, sure. I, I better, because I don't have $15. <laughs> yeah, Carrie works for a real jerk. Um, do you know what Carrie gets paid? I'm just saying, do you know she works harder on this show than I do? And every once in a while, I, I think, oh, yes, it's no, true. It's true. Oh, I might have broke the goat. Oh, praise the Lord. No. 
She gets paid nothing. Isn't that awesome? But look at the good side. Yeah, nothing's coming to me. So uh, today is question and answer. Get your questions ready, and I will launch that missile. Uh, so today we have already got a first question, a first. I say it this way in honor of my brother-in-law from Boston. Everybody said Nixon. Nixon. That was the answer to what you were doing. Nope. Sorry. Yeah. Nope. Eh. Eh. Should I except, tell him? Except one person said Sean Connery. Oh, no. Sean Connery. No, so what it is. Okay, so Dana Carvey... For those of you who don't know, was one of the finest impressionists. Uh, his impressions were amazing. And he did a, a thing, not Tom Brokaw. Um, who's, the, uh, who's the guy who talks like that? Uh, well, anyway, so he did this skit, and I think we were in the 80s. But it was called, if you Google it, I think you can YouTube it. Gerald Ford eaten by bears. Try that. <laughs> But it was this idea of Peter Jennings or one of these guys is going on vacation. So they're, <laughs> they're having him read headlines that could happen <laughs> while he's gone. Right? It was Tom Brokaw. Was it Tom Brokaw? And so his Tom Brokaw was flawless. And the whole skit was him just reading a million different ways Gerald Ford could have been killed so that if those happened while he was on vacation, do you remember this? They would play the thing, and he would, everyone started with, Gerald Ford, and like, they were these crazy, like, uh, he was eaten by zombies. Uh, uh, the corpse of uh, President Kennedy came out of the grave and ate him, was one of them. Do you remember this? He was eaten by bears, he was, and- Shot dead. Shot dead, each one was more and more crazy. Um, uh, yeah, he was shot dead senselessly, and uh, so you, you got to see it. It's worth your time, and and he his Harold Ford. Uh, so, okay, I've already wasted like eleven minutes of your life that you're never getting back. So let's get to, to the questions. Okay, I have heard that the book of Acts ends abruptly. There is a theory that maybe some of the book may be lost, and there is evidence that St. Paul went on a fourth missionary journey. I am familiar with this theory as well. I, I, it seems credible to me. Um, it was the, the Romans really did seek to uh, obliterate, oh, I forgot to turn off my finger, uh, Christianity, and uh, by burning sacred writings, by all these things. And yeah, you're right, Acts just ends. And um, the theory is that it got cut off. It, and some of it just could be Luke got killed, right? It could be that simple. Um, but so uh, nicely done. Yeah, I've heard that. And there, uh, there's always been arguments that Paul went on a fourth missionary journey. Um, and uh, all that's very possible. Yeah. Uh, does Father Joe do movies? Movie... Uh, does Father Joe do movie reviews or did he once upon a time? If so, are they published or can they be found somewhere? Well, here's the interesting thing. Yes, uh, kind of. Basically, I would write, uh, I was contracted to write what I thought of a movie. It wasn't technically a review. I lack the skills or expertise, right? Because to me, great movies are movies where things blow up. Uh, you know, these like romance or coming of age or cartoons. I, ha I hate all those. Uh, I just like senseless violence for Jesus. Uh, but uh, at Faith Magazine, there was a stretch where I was asked to, and they would, they would fly me places to watch movies and interview the people involved. But we had a guy who didn't think I should do that, and he was in charge. So I think the only one I wrote that they published, and I could be wrong, is the one on the movie Come Holy Spirit. Uh, Pursuit of Happiness? Was that what it was called with Will Smith? Yes. Yes. Okay, and happiness is spelled wrong. Uh, that's So I think that one's out there somewhere. I also wrote an article about the movie Constantine, but my publisher wouldn't publish it because he said it was too dark. Uh, oh, that's me rolling my eyes. I'm still rolling my eyes 20 years later. How childish am I? And um, I love sorry. Yeah. Um, 
now, and I want to be clear, this is not Elizabeth. If you're saying, well, no, Elizabeth's a goddess. Uh, she would have ran it. Um, what were we talking about? I don't remember now. Oh, I did write one on Constantine, but they wouldn't publish it. But my buddy Terry Mattingly from GetReligion.org, if you ever want to, he is a phenomenal columnist. Um, he interviewed me about the article that never ran. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, yeah, because honestly, I thought it was a great article. I really did. Uh, the way the world understands evil is fascinating to me. And that's what that book's about. The way the world understands evil and good. And it's kind of wild. Um, but what do you do? And I'm trying to think if I wrote any others that would have got published. But truly, the third time that my editor agreed, or the head of the magazine agreed for me to do this and then wouldn't run it, the movie people stopped calling, right? They'd spend thousands of dollars on me, and I mean that. Like, I think I told you, the first time I did it, they were like, well, we're gonna give you a per diem. And I figured, I'm gonna be candid. I'm like, these people have no idea Latin, so they're probably using it wrong, but that means per day, right? Awesome. Well, I just assumed, right? And so they gave me 500 bucks and said, this is your per diem. And I was gonna be there three days. And I'm like, I think what they mean is this is 500 bucks for my three days. They meant 500 bucks a day. Oh, yeah. They were paying for a Rolls Royce Phantom to drive me around. I'm telling the truth. They paid for two of my meals a day. Uh, and if I wanted to get a third, I could have just hung around wherever the food was, right? And I'm from Montrose, I know how to do that. And then they put me up in the Four Seasons Hotel in Beverly Hills. I'm dead serious. And they gave me 500 bucks a day. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. And I just put it in my pocket. I'm not gonna spend that. Really, it was funny. Anyway, why am I telling all this? I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, I rode in a Rolls Royce Phantom, like a lot. They picked me up at the airport. Well, hello. And I gazed upon the plebs as I passed by. <laughs> Can we get a quick review of Top Gun Maverick? Oh, yeah. Total brain candy. I loved it. Right? Like, I, you know, it was funny. And I hate this. I hate, hate, hate. There were all these, well, that wasn't accurate. Oh, really? We thought that was really accurate. <laughs> we're not watching it for accuracy. If it was accurate, a 60-year-old guy wouldn't be the best fighter pilot in the world. Yeah. You know, I, I don't need uh, a pilot to explain. Um, uh, <laughs> I loved it. It was brain candy, just simple, joyful fun. And uh, a fine movie, and no, I, I get it. Tom Cruise is a weird dude. Uh, but the other thing, like I saw that really, like I went to see it, kind of nostalgia. But then I saw Christopher McQuarrie was a part of this, and I got excited. Christopher McQuarrie is probably my favorite director, and I don't think he's made a movie I ha that hasn't blown me away. Um, so when I saw he was in it, and his movies are usually a lot grittier. This was a popcorn movie. It wasn't gritty uh, or dark, but uh, yeah, I loved that movie. A very simple, uh, good guy. Like Dad, Dad always says this, and it's true. He said, the worst thing your generation, meaning mine, took away from everybody is good endings, right? Uh, that he was like, you know, when I grew up, the good guys won, the bad guys lost. And he said, uh, and he's right, I had never thought, but when we were leaving that movie, did you hear Care? When we got in the truck, do you guys remember this, Chuck, Care? When we got in the truck, the first thing Dad said was, the good guys won. Yes. He wasn't just being funny. Right. That's that's like his complaint. Um, is, uh, it's it's, a prerequisite for a movie. Well, and you know, it's a fascinating thing to think about. If you guys are not interested in this, shut me up, okay? But uh, I've read about this a lot. When you look at Dad's generation, Okay, so dad is 86. Movies were predicated on a simple idea. Uh, the bad guys came and the good guy and invaded something good. Okay, and those within the thing getting invaded rose up and drove them out. And that was every movie, right? Evil came from without, attacked, good came from within and drove evil out. Right? That was every movie my dad grew up with. Starting in the 60s, right, where they ruined, I don't know, 
everything, um, became this idea, and it was embodied in a lot of the spaghetti westerns, right? And if you're familiar with cinema, you know what I mean, spaghetti westerns. And what was the idea? Evil came in to good, and it began inflicting evil. Where did salvation come from? Outside, right? The pale rider, uh, the dark hero who is outside of the community that comes in and is scary and dangerous, more so than the bad guy. And uh, have you ever noticed this? And, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot written about this if you ever want to look it up. I find it interesting because movies always tell the truth about the culture of the day. And we are very into the idea. It seems, if you look at our movies, humans can't save humans anymore from within. It has to be a flawed, usually horrible person, broken in a profound way, who comes from the outside in. Yeah, think about it. Like all our superheroes now. What makes them superheroes? Uh, an accident not destiny, uh, technology, and all of them almost, almost are really messed up. Like Joss Sweden wrote a lot about this when he made the first Avengers movie, which I think was one of the best movies of the last 20 years. Truly, the first Avengers movie. And his whole thing is, I wanted to show that everyone not named Captain America was so messed up that they shouldn't have ever even been in the same room together, let alone fighting side by side. And that's very reflective of our postmodern, the phase of philosophical development that we're at in a country. Are people interested or should I shut up? No. You can tell me the truth. No, no, okay. good. So, and if you want, I can real quick walk you guys through what that means. But there was a time where our heroes came from within and they were destined to save us. Now our heroes come from without or are bad people who are less bad than those who are attacking us. And always their power doesn't come from within them. It comes from an outside thing. And what it's reflective of, frankly, is our contempt for ourselves. Um, it's really interesting. Are people liking this? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. I'm going to look at you. You tell me to shut up. Yeah. So what we're in now is a period called postmodern deconstructionalism. Uh, and, uh, what's their names? Like, um, come Holy Spirit, C.S. Lewis, G.K. Chesterton, J.R.R. Tolkien, some of the authors you guys would know from your grandparents' lifetime, depending on your age, my parents' or grandparents' lifetime, uh, they saw this coming. Uh, and, and what it started with was this. Uh, for most of Western history, when I say Western, I can only talk about you know Europe. I, I don't know what was going on in China philosophically or Africa or in the Americas, but there was this idea called objective uh, that we could call objective, namely there's truth and you try to find it. And when you find it, you submit to it. And the whole idea then can get dark when the pursuit of objective truth translates into, if you don't have the truth, I can kill you, <laughs> right? That, that, that's where you get a lot of religious wars. Um, that is a world based on uh, the idea of objective reality. Now, I'm speaking hyper-simplified, hyper-sweeping uh, generalizations. But at some point, relativism began to creep in. And what is relativism? Relativism says that, you know, forgive the, 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 the circular, well, it's all relative. You believe in God, I believe in Allah, he believes in Buddha, uh, it, it's all the same, right? Or uh, people who use relative philosophies say that, um, uh, well, you have your truth and I have mine. And they might not actually say those words, but it's the world they live in. It's the ether they swim in. And it's the idea that truth is a flexible thing, that truth um, depends on each person. And on one level, that seems a good answer 
to the troubles of the objective world. Because the objective world, again, can give violent when we say, well, if you're wrong about God and I'm right, then I need to make you believe what I believe. And that's where you get troubles. Relativism was the cheap, quick answer, right? It was the patch on the sinking boat. It's the idea of, well, if we're fighting about what's true, then let's all just agree there's not really truth. There's just opinion. Um, or if there is truth, we can never find it or know when we found it. And that leads you into relativism. And, and, and it's, it's a problem because then without truth, the whole system starts to collapse. I spoke to a judge who just went to be with the Lord a few years ago, and he was in his 90s when he died. And he flat out told me, I remember when people taking um, oaths in court meant something. He said, I remember when entire legal strategies were predicated on, I'm going to get him to the point where he has to lie or tell the truth. And he'll tell the truth even the bad guys. And he said, I remember those days and I haven't seen them in years, right? That now an oath means nothing. You would assume they're lying and no longer does a jury deliberate while the lawyers try to get the person to tell the truth. Now it's, can you catch the lie? Who's lying less? Who, who's lying better than the other? Isn't this astounding? No society can continue this way. And this is where Tolkien and um, Lewis and what's his butt? Chesterton come in. That seeing this coming, they saw a future world where children are raised without truth. And that's the world we're kind of in now. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, we've told our kids to put all their marbles in the temporal basket. Um, namely, and, and forgive me, I sound like the grumpy old priest, and I get that. But will my child miss soccer practice? Not to save their life. Well, why weren't they at mass? Well, we had to go to soccer practice. You get me? That we've taken truth away from our children, and we pretend we should have to convince them of what's right. And so they end up in a world where nothing seems permanent. And I don't mean this as a rip on all divorced people, right? Divorce is a, a reality. It's hard to tell what's cause and what's effect here. But then we have uh, many of them grow up where, well, mom and dad aren't married anymore. Well, they made vows, but those vows didn't hold. Like piece by piece, we are stripping from them every foundation and now and i have to be careful because youtube will will we won't even let them know the truth about male and female that we're literally taking that from them we're taking biology from them think about this you couldn't have done this 10 years ago but that's how fast the slide comes. Once we say that you have your truth and I have mine, well, then the loud people win. The dirtiest fighters win. The most subversive influences win because it's not based on a, a concrete reality of truth. It's based on, well, that's my truth and I have the money to make you buy it. Um, I have people who uh, just two days, no, three days ago, uh, someone I love deeply was telling me, we get this directive from the boss. We have to put pronouns on all of our emails and our voicemails. And he said, I, I said, why? Uh, you have to. Why? What is this? Where did we all get on this bus? Well, simple. The loudest and the most passionate win because we don't have a foundation anymore. Is this making sense? Yes. Is it too dark? It is well, and yeah, I, I don't intend this. I'm just trying to describe the water we're swimming in. Okay. And this is why the church is in many ways struggling so much. We're not even speaking the same language as people anymore. So we, why don't people go to church? And everyone's got their reasons, right? At least part of it has to be, we're speaking a language the world doesn't speak, but it sounds like the same language. So we just end up confused. 
we are speaking from a place of truth, that there's truth. And they're speaking of from a place of, well, how can I minimize suffering? Well, imagine if one of the truths, and this truth is in Buddhism, it's in Christianity, it's in Islam, and in Judaism. Well, suffering's a good thing. We would say, oh, no, uh, uh, that can't be true. And, uh, boy, I I'm, I'm didn't plan on going here, so I don't know if it's making sense. Okay. And that's, again, where you get into the fallacy of relativism. Because, right, relativism says in the end, what? There's no truth. Wait, that's a statement of truth. Okay, there's no truth except for the statement that there is no truth. Well, that's two statements. of Even people who are relativists aren't really relativists. They're just mob-oriented. Okay. Now, at some point, and this is historically, and again, I know I can get people angry. I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm not trying to make anybody angry. Here's the process historically. The, the, the mob is going to push and push and push. And the objective reality people are just going to go, whatever, right? Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. And then they'll push a little too far. And the objectivists will snap back hard. And then you'll get totalitarianism, right? So basically the left pushes, pushes, pushes. The right caves, caves, caves. And when I say caves, I don't mean in a bad way. Because the whole predication of objective is, hey, you do you. But don't make me say your lie is true. It might make it any sense. Historically, and what's going to happen, then you're going to get a snapback and a right-wing totalitarianism because we were trying so hard to build a left one. Uh, this happens all the time, I'm telling you. Uh, and all this to say, where we're at now, where you see children killing children, and, and, and testimony after testimony is what? They're not laughing while they're pulling the trigger. They're blank-faced. Right? Why? It doesn't mean anything to them. Nothing means anything. We've taken all meaning from them. And then we're surprised that they're sociopaths. Um, we, this is why, remember when we did the show on the end of the world, I talked about how we have to understand that truth is all that matters. And so if the truth offends me, then I need to change. Um, and I need to be conscious that part of the truth is I'm fallible. So I could be totally wrong about what's true. <laughs> Isn't this crazy? Right? It calls for a state of blessed discontentment, um, which can be uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable a lot because I'm trying to pursue truth, recognizing that I'm probably going to get it wrong. Uh, but that, and this is where religion comes in, right? Um, but that God can help me make it right. So I feel like I just went on and on and on. But movies follow this. Movies always tell you where we were about five years ago. And when culture is changing this rapidly, um, I think you'll be able to see it. In the end, part of the problem with relativism is that it leads to radical deconstructionalism, which is there is no meaning there's no purpose. There's no truth. There's no nothing. You wake up, you live, you die. Uh, and that's where we're at. And, and when that's your world, what happens then? Well, then we spend like crazy on the now, even if it costs the next generation the future. Uh, why? What do we care? They're going to just, they're, oh, we'll figure it out, right? Four presidents in a row have just spent and spent and spent and borrowed and borrowed. We have trillions of dollars of deficit. If Jeff Bezos dies today and his 40, uh, what is it now? What is it? Four bill? What's his worth? But somebody, what is it? 40 billion? Something like that. Yeah. Do you know the government won't spend that in 10 minutes? It's 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And who's going to pay the interest on that loan? Well, your kids and your grandkids, and we don't care <laughs> because, yeah, that's all we got is now. It's all we got. And we don't ever say that. Nobody would ever say that, but it's how we live. 
because then all the government's doing is what we do. Borrow, 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 live right on the edge. And yeah. His net worth? Yeah. 132.8 billion. Okay, 132.8 billion, and the government would spend it in less than 10 minutes. It literally wouldn't touch our deficit. It wouldn't touch, it's not a point percentage of our debt. And again, gosh, I feel bad. I, but what I'm trying to get us to see is when we talk about movies, it all comes back to this. All they're showing us is what we want and what we live. And they're showing us the truth about our culture to some extent. Um, and it leads us, you know, in the end then, what is the answer for you and me? Well, I buried a 103 year old man today. And, uh, I, I, I mean, how blunt can I be? I celebrate a million funerals. It's pretty rare that half of the congregation even knows what's going on at mass. The church was full with his kids, his grandkids and his great grandkids. I know them all. They're all at mass. Uh, they're all participating. When I said the Lord be with you, I jumped because I wasn't ready for it. This is a funeral. No one's going to know what to say, right? The Lord be with you. No, boom, and with your spirit. Holy cow, right? Why? Was it because he was a bodacious personality? No, he was a quiet, thoughtful, hilarious dude who decided to be holy. And his kids saw it because they told me. And then his kids imitated it because they loved their pa. And I know it. I know those kids. I see them. And then their kids did it. I'm seeing. I, I can't even tell you. That's how the world changes. Not by who we vote for. Not by our ability to scream and shriek on the internet. But by our ability to be aware of the problem. What is the problem at core? We don't love truth. Uh, what do we do about that? We'll live for truth. Truth is super powerful. Yeah. Truth matters. Uh, was this what John Paul II warned us about 40 years ago? Absolutely. If you look at his document, Veritati Splendor, the Splendor of Truth, this is what he's talking about. And he preached the doom of the Americans, right? That's where he called us the culture of death. He was like, you export death. Um, and, and it was because we fell away from truth. He said, well, what about Europe? Yeah, same thing. They're just not as powerful as us. We export them. MTV is one of our top exports, right? Uh, how do you feel knowing that? That when you meet someone, and I've done it, from Northern Africa, who only knows Americans from TV, what do you think they think we're like? When, when Muslims in the Middle East, religious Muslims, call us the great Satan, and we get offended, why? They see our TV, wouldn't you? <laughs> really, wouldn't you call us the great Satan? Oh my gosh. And why? Because we don't care about truth. We'll say we do, but not where it's going to make us change. <sighs> Were you wearing your cleric in the Rolls? No, I was so embarrassed. The first time, yes, because I got off the plane, right? And I was in a Rolls Royce and clerics, and I thought, I'm going to hell. I did. I'm like, oh no. I've just begged Jesus for no one to see me. Do you know what stuck out to me in Hollywood? Seriously, like from the moment I got out of the car for the next two days, the first time I went, I couldn't believe. Now, I wasn't near as fat as I am now. I was probably 50 pounds lighter than this. I was the biggest human I saw. Uh, outside of like, I, I saw Keanu Reeves and, um, nope, he was it. He was the only person taller than me. Uh, everybody else was tiny. Like, to the point where I felt kind of weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I was back in the Middle East. Like, I remember... Well, anyway. So, yeah. Uh, did Rachel Weiss get to see me in the Rolls Royce? Uh, I think she was so focused on my face. She didn't Yeah. I, I, poor girl. She was so smitten. I was like, look, lady, I'm not a piece of meat. <laughs> I'm not here for you. <laughs> No, I just, I was in a room, she came in, and I choked, and then she left. <laughs> Comment. 
I'm, I feel like I went real dark. I didn't mean to. Okay. Comment. I could see Father Joe and Carrie making a local restaurant show where you visit a different restaurant every week and Joe eats all the food and Carrie pays for it. Okay. I'm going to be honest. That's not how the question went. Uh, I could see Father Joe and Carrie making a local restaurant show where you visit a different restaurant every week and sample the food. We have a show like this called Eat It and Like It out of Savannah, Georgia. Here's the key. That's who? That sounds fun. Oh, yeah. But here's the key. Can you imagine any reality where I'm like, I don't like this? Yes. Really? You're a picky eater. (gasps) Really? Yeah. No, I had no idea. Okay. I just thought I was a simple eater. I don't know that. Yeah. Okay. Right. There you go. You're not a picky eater, but you're the basics. And you don't like your food to touch. No, that's sinful. And anything green right i'll look at green stuff while i'm eating meat you're right i am kind of like if you give me my druthers i'm just gonna get meat and potatoes yeah yeah Uh, yeah and whenever there's a french word in the description i'm like (laughs) but the funny thing is like this weekend you were with my husband and i and i made a oh my god that was so delicioso it tasted like thai food well, it was, to me. Yeah, it was the peanut butter oh. dressing. She made something. I don't know. It looked kind of weird. Is that okay to say? Yeah. And it was delicious. I ate three bowls of that. Do you yeah. know that? It was good. I was glad you made a huge tub. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try it. But I'm telling you, I'm only going to order what I know. And if I've never been there, I'll order something that I've had somewhere else that had the same name. <laughs> and I'll eat it and go, I like this because I liked it yesterday. a woman i know oh dear okay a woman i this is a tough question uh i I guess i don't always say trigger warning uh seriously i know that word gets abused but uh okay a woman i know said her priest wouldn't bless her stillborn child with holy water is this because the child wasn't baptized? The decision seems to have made left her bitter. Okay. Uh, as a general rule, I ha- oh, first of all, uh, I have no idea why the priest wouldn't do it. I don't. Um, and it drives me nuts. Uh, this is the danger of withholding sacraments. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Everybody's got their, you know, uh, don't get me started. Okay. When priests make a decision about what you can receive based on their understanding, it can get bad. So, for example, one thing we can we are not to do as priests, and they taught us this at seminary, do not anoint a dead body. Okay? So you don't take holy water and anoint, or holy oil, and anoint a dead body. Why? Well, anointings are for the living. Okay? Uh, at the same time, I've been there, when someone died and the priest could not get there in time for last rites and they asked, please, Father, anoint him. Okay. Because that helped them. And I can't imagine Jesus going, whoa, big fella. Right? That if I did something wrong there, and that's only happened a couple times where for some reason it meant everything to them. Right? Father, please, please anoint him. All right. Uh, What I'll typically do is say, I can bless him. Is that okay? And most people don't, frankly, know the difference. And and then I take holy water and and, uh, bless their their body because it is sacred. Uh, So I don't know why the priest did it. And I'm so sorry. Um, And no, it had nothing to... Well, I don't know why he deprived this person of that comfort. I really don't. Um, And we all have bad days. I'm trying not to be hard. But I just... I was in a priest group on Facebook that I helped start, and I left it. Uh, When we started, there were five of us. When I left, there were hundreds. But so much of it just ripped my heart out because it felt like, felt like, so much of the discussion was a bunch of priests sitting around figuring out how to refuse people things. Like, there's just something so broken in the human nature that we need that, that power. Um, and I couldn't take it. I left the group just, just a couple months ago. I think I taught you. I was so sad. I was like, what are we? Yeah. To me, you default 
in favor of the grieving. We'll cancel anything for a funeral here. And I mean it. We will. At our parish, our parish runs around funerals uh, because, man, that's a tender time for people. Ah. Okay. Uh, our nine-year-old grandson asked this. Who came first, Adam and Eve or the Neanderthal man? I, I'm not a scientist, and I'm not a theologian. I'm prob I don't think I'll get it wrong. I don't know. Here's the theory. The theory would be the Neanderthal. Yeah? Oh, you don't know that language. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the Neanderthals came first. And why? Because the assumption is what, what we believe as Catholics, we're not fundamentalists. Uh, what we believe is that there was an original source for the human race and for the brokenness of the human race. Uh, and that could have been uh, a created, uh, I'm saying this so bad. What you need to believe is there was a quantum leap, okay? This quantum leap where suddenly this thing that looked like what you and I would call a human, but became a human because it received the spirit of the living God. It became ensouled. Okay, um, and so I would assume that the Neanderthals were before that, uh, and I, I think I'm right. Yeah. What? I've never heard that, but I love them. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, see, you know, the key is this. What the church does, and I do love this humility to her approach. Like, And truly, this actually goes back to the truth thing. Right, that the church, church, man, the church recognizes that all that matters is the truth, and so in pursuit of truth, we have to be brave, we have to be fearless, and we have to understand that it's broken people seeking truth. So being wrong is much more of a possibility than being right. So we take the things that God told us super clear. <laughs> right? The thing, uh, what did the Lord tell us that we're super clear about? A few key ideas, okay? He loves us. This is about love, that he is love itself. Okay, got it. So then we say, um, that's one of them. When we then take what we know and apply it to that statement, sometimes one element changes. And what is the element that changes? the what we know, not the God's love part, <laughs> okay? So we find some key piece of data and we say, well, wait a minute, but that doesn't line up with what we believed before we found this. So then we say, well, how does love fit into that? And now we've learned about God. So when Darwin wrote, for example, his book, The Something of Species, The Come Holy Spirit, um, Ugh, the origin of species. The Catholic Church was the only Christian church I know of that didn't condemn it. They were like, huh, let's check it out. Because uh, their thing was, he's making a good case that animals evolved, right? Uh, did humans evolve? We don't, now we got to look at that. But what won't change? Well, what makes a human a human is, is, is the spirit of the living God inside of them, the body, soul, unity. And so in the end, like St. John Paul II said, we simply can't be afraid to learn as much as we can about the origin of the human race, understanding the keys. God made it out of love. God made it out of purpose, right? God made it on purpose and, uh, yeah, about humans. So could it be that there were these you know, Neanderthals roaming around and God decided this is the time and he ensouled two of them in a unique and special way, breathed his life in them? Sure. Can we believe that he formed man from dust of the earth and breathed in his nostrils just like it says? Absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> because the Bible wasn't written as a, in Genesis wasn't written as a scientific document. They're trying to tell you the truth about God. Okay, really? Yeah. I'm doing okay? Yeah. All right, because I told, I did, I told these guys before, my head is so weird today. Mm. Okay, a young man came up to me after mass this morning and asked if he could cross himself with holy water, even though he was a Protestant. 
I told him Jesus would welcome him to take part. Was it okay to say that? Oh, sure. Yeah, there's Protestants who make the sign of the cross. That, uh, if anything, he might have a pastor who might chastise him for that. But it wouldn't be based on our end. Yeah, anyone should cross them. Everyone should cross themselves. Are you the only ones that use holy water? Mm-mm. Okay. No, Orthodox, Anglicans. Um, I don't know. I think some Lutherans do, but don't quote me. Yeah. Um, okay. Why at graduation masses, young men have their caps on, yet, yet, yet men are not to cover their heads in church with the rare exception of bishops, certain points of the TLM and Knights of Columbus. Okay, this is interesting. Um, uh, the covering of heads, that's, in a, that's kind of a European thing. It's not universal. So, for example, when you go to Israel, if you go pray with the Jews, the men cover their head, right? They put their hat on when they come in. And it, honestly, I can't get my head around it, you know, but it's just a, if you'll excuse the phrase, it's just a cultural thing. In some cultures, you cover your head in the presence of the sacred, and in some, you uncover your head. And I've never figured out why we picked the way we did. Is that okay way to put it? I, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. It just, that's how we've come about. Um, yeah. Like, remember the whole scandal about John Kennedy, the president, not wearing a hat? So that was considered pretty yikes. You know, he'd be out in public with it. Yeah. That was, that was, you know, I think it's a custom that's evolved one way or the other. That's all, if that's any help. Um, I often refer, I often see the term Zion in the Old Testament. What does Zion mean? Zion's a hill in Jerusalem, uh, Mount Zion. Uh, it's, you know, a special place for them. Um, it, it's a geographic term and it's in Jerusalem. So, uh, it, it's, yeah, for us, it's kind of like saying the Vatican, you know what I mean? Uh, a very special holy place where people have come to pray for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. Father Joe, I know this is a sensitive topic for you. Okay. So please pass if you want. Pass. No, I'm totally kidding. I'm sorry. I have a loved one with Alzheimer's and I find I often pray for her by asking God to keep her safe. I think because it is my biggest worry, I pray that God help her children to understand because they don't. I need to know how to pray for all of them. I got you. Okay. I think I got you. Yeah. Okay. I think I got you. That for me, what I, and I talked to my family and we were all kind of in the same boat. This was in many ways, one of the darkest times of our life. My mom's last three years, uh, as you know, you, we prayed in stages. Like at first I prayed for a miraculous healing. Okay. And then I prayed for the grace to endure. And then I prayed for God to get her home. Uh, and of course with that third one, there was a lot of guilt. Um, but I'm at peace with it and I was able to speak the truth to the guilt. No, she, you know, this is, it's not a bad thing to pray. Mama get home. <laughs> um, I'm volunteering to change who suffers with that prayer. Does that make sense? Like, um, I didn't want her to suffer anymore. I wanted me to be the one hurting because she was gone. Not her the one hurt. Yeah. Okay. So, and also, you know, let's be candid. It was easier when she died. Uh, our lives were insane. She was worth it. Totally happy I did it. But so there was also that relief of the marathon's done. I actually crossed the finish line, right? She died surrounded by her kids, which is what she wanted. Um, I, I think I'm answering your question. Uh, so when you pray for the person with Alzheimer's, I'd encourage you to pray they get home because there's no healing from this. I mean, there could be a miraculous healing. There's no medicine at this point that's going to make this person better. This condition will only get worse. So pray for the, for them that God get them home. Um, like as any, I, I don't know if it's okay to say, stop me if it's bad. Have any of you ever had like a level one concussion? 
Has anyone ever, I've had, I've had two, twice, okay? And that's where you get hit so hard, you can't remember, like, I couldn't figure out where I was or what was going on, and it was terrifying, mm. right? I remember distinctly getting on the bus and doing everything I could to hold myself together because I, I didn't even know what bus to get in. I didn't know if I was getting on. My uniform was the same as theirs. That's why I knew to get on that bus. I, I didn't know what day it was. And I remember this distinctly. You're talking 1986. And no kidding. God help me. I should be dead. Do you know I went to bed that night? Right? You're not supposed to do that. I went to bed. Woke up the next day. I couldn't figure it out. And there was all this noise. Well, it was time to go to school. I, I'm not kidding. They had to reissue my locker com. They had to reissue my class schedule. And it was, and I was trying to fake it as best I could. But I just had no clue what was going on. And it was terrifying. And people came up to me talking like they knew me. I'm like, oh, boy. And I thought of that all the time while mom was struggling. Uh, I did. I thought of that all the time. I was like, well, that lasted three days for me, two days. That's the last three years of her life. Uh, get her home. That was terrifying. And I was a good faker, but it was terrifying. Um. Yeah, you know, and then you would do stupid things. If she was like, what the hell are you doing? Well, I don't know. Right? So pray they get home. Pray. That is a prayer of love and mercy. It's saying, let me be the one who hurts. Just let them be done with it. When it comes for their family, pray for the grace to endure. Pray that they will be there. Um, if you're too busy to visit mom and dad, you're too busy. Okay? Uh, yeah. And for you, you know, pray that you'll love them well. Yeah, it's just helpful. Okay, maybe this is a good time for Father to uh, uh, Father to explain the Pope's recent reprimand to the bishop who denied Pelosi communion. This is interesting. I've looked everywhere for this, and I haven't seen it. What I have seen, and I, and, and I want to be clear, I could be wrong, but I had a buddy help me. I called him, and I'm like, "Bruh, what is this about the Pope's reprimand? I can't find it." What I see is left-wing media, Catholic media, looking at the fact that the Pope appointed a liberal guy mm -hmm. as bishop, and they call that a reprimand of what the other guy did. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. I saw it in four. So my buddy sent me two articles, and I had found two uh, from very lefty-type sources in the church who went, yeah, Pope reprimanded that bishop in San Francisco by appointing this bishop who said, I'll never deprive a person of communion. But I never saw the Pope say anything like, you shouldn't have done that. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't do it. That just means I didn't find it if he did. Does, it, does this help? So I was surprised at the arrogance to say the Pope reprimands him when he really didn't. He just appointed someone... Uh, yeah, but you know, and this isn't to put anything on the left. Trust me, there's tons of right Catholic, right wing Catholic me media that do the exact. I've been a victim of that with the right wingers. Uh, yeah, Psst. okay. So I, I don't know if I'm helpful on that. I doubt I missed it. I really do. I think I would have found it pretty quick if, like, the Pope, boom, smacked that guy down. Uh, he just appointed a liberal. That's all. Uh, okay. And I say liberal because we're all psychotic and I don't know what else to call it. What does the word hosts mean? Like the St. Michael prayer, Prince of the Heavenly Hosts and a Mass Lord of Hosts. Can you explain? Sure. Big number. A uh, big number of people, right? Uh, Lord of hosts means the Lord of a huge number of people. The hosts of heaven, uh, meaning all of them in heaven. Uh, St. Michael there. Uh, could you show me that again? St. Michael. Uh, uh, you, oh, Prince of the Heavenly Host. Prince of all the angels, right? Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's just a, a, a way we used to use the English language that we really don't use so much anymore, uh, but to refer to a substantial number of uh, folk or angels in this case. Okay. Um, whew. 
which one? Oh, sorry, I froze. What one do you want me to get after? Well, while we're looking, because um, this one's quick, uh, why does Jesus say when he comes for many, when the Lord wants all to be with him, what does that mean? So I think you're referring to the way Jesus used the term for many. Uh, the Son of Man came for many. Um, and honestly, I don't know. I assume it was a turn of phrase, uh, which to me seems the most reasonable explanation uh, because we have turns of phrases, of course, that we use that make sense to us now. But like if people look at it in the future, they're like, well, that's the opposite. So when someone says, now, this is a weird example, but stick with me. Uh, remember, Chuck, we were watching uh, the Tigers and uh, the guy described um, a pitch by um, Fulmer. He said, that was filthy, right? Now, and Dad, and Dad pointed this out. He goes, you know, when I was your age, if a pitch was filthy, it meant they cheated or it was a bad pitch. How funny that now it means the exact opposite. So I would assume it's kind of that sort of thing where it was simply a way people, a turn of phrase uh, that people used, okay? Um, wasn't it a promotion of a bishop to cardinal? Yes, thank you, who nailed that? Way to go. Scott Wilson. Okay, thanks, Scott. Hey, is he with his beloved? I don't know if you're with your beloved. I hope you guys have a wonderful time. Uh, um, I won't get into details. I just, we invited Becky to something, but she's going to be away. I hope you're with her, and I hope you guys are having an awesome time. And I just love your family, bro. I'm serious. I love you. I love your family. I am so grateful for them. Um, but, yeah, what's his butt? Uh, yeah, McElroy, I think, was the name of the bishop that he appointed a cardinal. Okay. Um, and that they were like, that's the smackdown. And it's because we're stupid and tribal about everything but Jesus. Um, I wish we were tribal about Jesus. Wouldn't that be cool? There's no oh, you got one more for me? Okay. Carrie's got one more for me, and then we'll wrap it up. I hope today was helpful. I, I feel a little insecure about today. Isn't that funny? No, Carrie's shaking her head no. Uh, I know I got a little dark, but I wasn't trying to get dark. I just want you to have a sense of what we're talking about here, hey? Um, that for us, truth is everything. Um, okay. Didn't know if you wanted to go here. Hmm? Didn't know if you wanted to go there, but that top one. Okay, got you. What do you do when family members do not want to let go with dad and mom with dementia? They want artificial means to keep them alive. The family didn't speak to me for a while when dad died. The niece did apologize, but it was a horrible time. Now mom has dementia and is living with my husband and I. I'm terrified when mom goes home. Yeah, you know... Um, well, I'm going to tell you what my sister Lori said. Not about this. She said about other, the wrong people always feel guilty. And I just told someone this the other day. Uh, I found that so helpful. Like, it, and it happened to me. Like, someone, frankly, put something on me that wasn't mine and, and chastised me for it here at the parish. Um, and I felt bad. And all I could think of was Lori going, the wrong person always feels bad. I didn't do anything wrong except to receive. Now, I do plenty wrong. Holy crap. I usually try to use examples where I'm at fault, but this one was fresh, uh, where it was just, um, it's not my problem that they're angry about something, right? But I'm like, ah, heck. And it's like, no, the wrong person feels bad. That person should feel bad for talking that way. And this might be one of those. Um the church does not require extraordinary means to keep people alive at all. Um, that, uh, yeah, I'm sorry you're going through that. And I ask Jesus to bless you and give you strength. And I pray that you know that whatever suffering you're enduring is very temporary. Uh, and heaven, uh, God's going to probably tell you where to go. You got my girl home. You got my boy home, you know. Scott Millsap is not with his wife. Oh, man. He was uh, COVID ex at least exposed, so he's isolating. That's, are we still doing that? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean that. Like, I know. 
I did not mean that as a political statement. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. Okay. It's all good. That's so poopy. Okay. So, uh... <laughs> okay. Uh, I was reading the wedding question. That's funny. Okay. Uh, sorry. Oh, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. This is a great way to ask a question. So let's tackle it next yeah. week. Okay. Or if you to um, it's well, cool. it's August, so we got time. Okay. Right? So one of you asked a question about being a part of a wedding speaking, right? And you're a little worried about it. And uh, But it's in August. So if you don't mind, we'll tackle this next week. Awesome. Uh, and uh, so hang on. Uh, but no, I am going to make fun of you. Yeah, I'm going to make it much worse. So that when you do it, you'll be like, well, this isn't as bad as that jerk said, and you'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> or as I tell most people, when you're speaking at a wedding, just remember a lot of people are drunk. You're fine. <laughs> she said okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's Bren. Yep. Is that my Bren? Yep. Bren Van. Yep. Ah, okay. So a uh, special high, of course, to my Martha. I haven't said that in a while. And I want to put out Kim Cook. I award you 20 Jesus points because Kim Cook wrote me the sweetest letter. Oh, Kim, thank you. And, oh, I got to tell you guys this. I'm so embarrassed. So my birthday was during Holy Week, okay? And I was in the most beautiful way possible, flooded with wonder. Uh, cards, letters, gifts. And I think I told you this. I have screwed so much of it up. That was just such a crazy week. And I got my lists all mixed up. Like I would take one and say, okay, you know, send the Johnsons a thank you for the shirt. Right. Uh, right. And, and then I would put that in this pile. And then this pile was the haven't and I screwed everything up. And I, I think the only way to express this to you truly, please forgive me. I'm not going to get the thank yous out, or if I do, I'm going to miss so many people, or some of you are going to get them twice. I have screwed everything up. I literally yesterday found a beautiful card and check someone sent me for my birthday in April. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Uh, I will do better next time. Um, and let this be a lesson to you about sending a stupid person gifts. <laughs> Just pray for me. Uh, right. And I won't write a thank you for prayers. How about that? Isn't that a weird custom? I just thought of that. Right? Someone sends you money and you're like, well, thank you. They send you prayers. You're like, psh. <laughs> so Kim Cook, I award you 20 Jesus points. Martha gets 10 Jesus points every day just because she's Martha, my Martha. I'm sorry. That's how it is. It's a record. Yeah. And uh, New York. Hey. So let's uh, salad pray, huh? Oh, don't forget next week. Next week, next week, next week. We're going to be live, Lord, Lord, at Gabriel Richard High School in a city near Ypsilanti. Uh, and that'll be our noon show. On Friday, we're going to be at the Michelangelo Sistine Chapel exhibit at the Cheryl Ford uh, Library Museum in Grand Rapids. It's 15 bucks to enter, but that's not my fee. That's their fee. Our fee is 20 but they are Wouldn't that be hilarious? Setting up chairs and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, we can have an audience. Yeah. I'll bet you my Martha will be there. Yes, she oh. said she would. And your uh, audiologist said she'll be there. She'll be there. I'll bet you Mrs. K will be there. Yeah. I am the luckiest man in the world. There you go. You guys aren't going to be there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and I'll have new hearing aids. Yeah. Oh, okay. From Kazmersky Hearing Center. Soon to be located in Grand Blanc, Michigan. Don't you think she should move here? I will convince her. I will. And be like, why? So you're closer. <laughs> Wouldn't she be awesome? Can you imagine? We should give her an office at the parish. Who's the patron? Okay. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus, thank you for truth. Thank you that we can know the truth and that it will set us free. You don't lie. Lord, today, um, dementia, Alzheimer's, it's all kind of heavy on our hearts. Hey, you heard the questions. And so please, Lord, please, Lord, be with all of those who are doing their best to love people struggling with this awful disease. And help us in our pain to not try to respond by controlling things we can't control. 
and help us to forget about ourselves as best we can. Heal what's broken in our lives that makes us so tribal about everything but you. And help us as we approach this beautiful Pentecost season, help us to always remember to call on your Holy Spirit to give us the strength to be the men and women you made us to be. Oh Lord, we ask that you deliver the people in Ukraine from war. Bring them peace and prosperity. And we ask for your, uh, for your blessings on all our enterprises next week. Uh, some really exciting stuff going on. Help us to enter them well. Lord, you, you know the people that we always have in our hearts because we worry about them and we love them. And you know all the circumstances that we carry around with tension because we're, we, we fret. And we, we want you to know that we give all of them to you now because we love you so much and we trust you. And I ask the blessings of Almighty God be with all of you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, and Jesus, please be with Father Ed as he's traveling about on pilgrimage today and give him a safe trip home. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, and putting up with my crazy. I can't wait to see you next week from Gabriel Richard High School. Uh, until then, peace. Is it over? No, it's never over.